Amid all of our national turmoil at the height of an election year, you know, we can always count on the mainstream media to focus on the important issues. Ask the important questions, like questions about QAnon. During the pandemic, uh, the QAnon movement has been, appears to be gaining a lot of followers. Can you talk about what you think about that and what you have to say to people who are following this movement right now? That's what really is on people's minds. You know, the, the nation is on fire, cities burning, people getting attacked, statues coming down, police departments getting abolished. And you know what we want to hear about is an internet meme. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Thank you. Great job, media. An internet meme that, that you in many ways uh, have contrived. Trump brushes it off. Well, I don't know much about the movement other than I understand they like me very much. Uh, which I appreciate, but I don't know much about the movement. Uh, I have heard that it is gaining in popularity, and from what I hear, it's, these are people that, when they watch the streets of Portland, when they watch what happened in New York City in just the last six or seven months, but this was starting even four years ago when I came here, almost four years, can you believe it? Uh, these are people that don't like seeing what's going on in places like Portland and places like Chicago and New York and other cities. Great answer. His answer is basically, yeah, my guys are good. Your guys are bad. Yeah. You, well, you people are destroying the country. And if you vote for me, we're going to fix the country. Very simple answer. The reporter won't let it go. The crux of the theory is this belief that you are secretly saving the world from this satanic cult of pedophiles and cannibals. Does that sound like something you are behind? Does that sound like anything you've heard? Like, uh, you know, I don't know, like the Democrats booing God at their national convention a number of years ago or uh, flying around with pedophiles and airplanes to Caribbean islands or literally eating human brains on CNN, which is what former CNN contributor Riza Aslan did. I don't know, starting to sound not all that outlandish to me. Uh, we'll put the, the Q thing, whatever. That's, so, that's completely secondary. That's a distraction from what is really going on in the country. We will get to Trump's excellent answer. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from no one. That's his name. According to liberals, Trump wasn't their president for four years. So really, he should be able to run for two more terms. I totally agree. And Stacey Abrams should never be able to run again because she's already served in so many positions, right? She's governor of Georgia. She's now the running mate for Joe Biden. I mean, she's had a really long and storied career in politics. Also got to thank our friends over at Ancestry DNA. As people are tearing down history all around us, maybe you can take a look into your own family history. Researching your family history is, is tremendous for your entire family. You know, my grandfather introduced me to this, introduced me to Ancestry years ago before The Daily Wire existed. And I, I've just loved it. I mean, it's such a great hobby. The stories you learn about your shared past can bring your family closer together. Uh, Ancestry DNA doesn't just tell you which countries you're from. Also, it can pinpoint the specific regions within them, giving you insightful geographic detail about your history. We talk on this show about how important narrative is. Well, learn your own narrative. You know, learn the narrative of your family. Uh, it's really, it's a, it's a tremendous thing. A lot of people don't really do it anymore, uh, but, but it's wonderful, both on mapping your family tree and uh, the, the Ancestry DNA test delivers a, a truly unique interactive experience 
It is easy to start making discoveries with Ancestry. Grab an Ancestry DNA kit today. Start exploring your family history. Head on over to my URL at Ancestry.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. By the way, if you do that, some of my listeners have, have, have done it and added me on Ancestry, and it turns out we're like distant cousins and things like that. So it's, it's very fun to do. Ancestry DNA kit. Uh, start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash Knowles. Maybe I'm your cousin. <laughs> So this the QAnon thing, again, I mean, I think I thought Trump gave a good answer, which is, yeah, I don't really know that much about this thing. I vaguely heard about it, mostly just from left-wing media trying to turn it into some sort of phenomenon and, and some kind of boogeyman. But uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that concerned. We've got other things to worry about. And then the, the reporter says, yeah, but it's a, it, it, they say that there are Satanists and pedophiles and cannibals running around. And I say, right, that's just on CNN. Where, where are they hiding? That's what I want. I want to know the ones that are under the cover. So she pushes it and pushes it and pushes it. People are criticizing Trump's answer. I thought he gave an excellent answer. Well, I haven't, I haven't heard that, but uh, is that supposed to be a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, you know. <laughs> If, uh, if I can help save the world from problems, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put myself out there. And we are, actually. We're saving the world from a radical left philosophy that will destroy this country. And when this country is gone, the rest of the world would follow. Beautiful point. See, what a number of conservatives have wanted Trump to do, and they're venting their frustration about Trump's answer is they want Trump to say, oh, it's terrible. I hate everyone, everyone who has any kind of kooky view. I hate them. They're terrible. They're no good people. I don't want their support. The whole point of the reporter's question about this non-troversy is to make Trump supporters look like kooks. That's the whole point. They've done this for decades. It's like a standard Democrat playbook, and Trump is not going to play into it. He jokes, he makes a couple jokes about it, right? He says, oh, you're telling me I'm saving the world from satanic pedophile cannibals? That's it. Sounds pretty good. Is that, should I not be doing that? Should I be supporting the satanic? And then he says, look, forget about the Satanists or whatever. You're saying that I'm saving the world from problems. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what we're trying to do in politics. And, uh, and you guys are trying to destroy the country and I'm trying to fix the country. And I, I like it when people support me in that mission to fix up the country a little bit. On the broader point of the QAnon thing, I, I really, I don't even care to address that. I, I have a message for the Democrats, which is that people who spent the last four years pretending that Donald Trump is a secret KGB spy do not get to lecture conservatives about conspiracy theories. Okay? You don't, people who think that there is a grand conspiracy to close mailboxes in Democratic districts to steal an election, particularly people who belong to a party that has tried to steal an election and overturn an election for the past four years. Don't get to lecture conservatives about conspiracy theories. I, I don't want to hear that phrase again out of the mouth of a Democrat or out of the mouth of a, of a leftist activist or most of all out of the mouth of the mainstream media. I don't want to hear it. You've lost that privilege. Russiagate was the end of that, especially now that we see that there was a conspiracy with regard to Russiagate, but it wasn't from the Trump campaign. It was from the Obama administration and the press ignored it and covered it up for years. We're finally seeing this come out now with, with charges being brought against various FBI and DOJ officials. Something tells me there's a lot more to come. Not that the 
mainstream media will ever look into it. And in fact, there was an episode yesterday, totally separate from what you would call practical politics, party politics, that, that illustrates just how far the mainstream media have fallen. This involves a former Navy SEAL, this guy, Robert J. O'Neill, guy who killed Osama bin Laden. He tweeted out a picture of himself on an airplane sitting up there without a mask on. And he takes the picture and he says, I'm not a wuss. <laughs> I'll translate. He used a more colorful word. I'm not a wuss. My man, love that. Looking great, standing up against this stupid leftist political culture we now have that makes us muzzle ourselves on airplanes. So he posts that picture and immediately a New York Times editor, Dan Solstein, tweets out, I don't know this guy, but counterpoint, you might just be because you're not willing to sacrifice and be a little uncomfortable for your fellow humans, including that Marine behind you. Now, obviously, uh, obviously this Navy SEAL does know a thing or two about sacrifice and being made a little uncomfortable for the good of his countrymen. Knows a whole lot more about it than Dan Saltstein, whose greatest sacrifice for America is writing for the New York Times, which is, which in fact sacrifices America. It sacrifices our integrity, journalistic integrity. The issue here isn't the tweet. I don't care about this little Twitter spat between between O'Neill and Solstein. It's the incompetence. It's the laziness. If, if I had done that, if I had not known who this guy was, that'd be one thing. If your average layman in the street had not known who Robert O'Neill, that, that would be one thing. An editor of the New York Times is supposed to know how to investigate things. An editor of the New York Times should at least know to make a Google search before you start lobbying charges like that but they don't. They don't. You know, the New York Times was always left-wing and, and often dishonest, but they weren't incompetent. They weren't lazy. N now we have this generation of, of New York Times, you know, generally journalists, editors, writers who, who are just lazy and incompetent, don't know the basics of their job. So if a, if a New York Times editor can't even get this question right, how are you supposed to trust his reporting on anything else? Drew Clavin always points this out, where you're reading the New York Times and you don't know about any of the stories, so you're just kind of reading to get filled in. Then you get to one story that you do know about. Who knows? Say it's the New York Yankees. I don't know. Or it's some area of manufacturing. Maybe you know something about it. And you read it and you think, gosh, they got this totally wrong. I know that this is wrong because I, I know about this topic. But then you go right along and you believe all the other stories that you don't know anything about. The longest lasting Trump legacy, I think, will be the complete collapse of the credibility of the mainstream media. Sometimes it's laziness, sometimes it's incompetence, other times it's just dishonesty, like when CNN defends Bill Clinton, which we'll get to in one second. First, though, I've got to thank our friends over at Rad Power Bikes. You know, electric bikes are like regular bikes, but they're a lot more fun and they require way less effort. Whether you want a new way to get around town, maybe you want to go out in nature, you've got to try Rad Power Bikes. This is a cross between a traditional bike and a moped, but nice thing here, it doesn't require a special driver's license like a moped would. You can go up to 20 miles per hour without pedaling. You can get out and about without getting sweaty. Unlike other e-bikes, they're actually affordable. Plus, to show appreciation for those that serve us, Rad Power Bikes is offering $100 off all e-bike purchases for active and ex-military first responders, teachers, and students. 
dedicated, wow, even students, that's pretty good. I don't know how, I don't know how students serve us, but look, Rad Power Bikes is very generous, so take advantage of this right now. Dedicated US-based customer support seven days per week to answer any questions or concerns. Makes the perfect gift for someone who loves being active and outdoors. Uh, they're, they're offering flexible financing for as low as 0% APR right now. Limited time offer, get a free accessory with the purchase of a bike. That is a free gift of up to $100 in value and free shipping to the lower 48 states. To get this special offer, text the word Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 64,000. That is Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 64,000. What is it? Text Knowles to 64,000. So CNN, even after Bill Clinton's generally panned uh, convention appearance, decides to defend him. Because to, to CNN's credit, they bring up this question. Why is it that in the Me Too era, when everybody's getting taken down for even looking crosswise at a woman 20 years ago, or even not looking crosswise, but they're just kind of crazy allegations that come up in the case of Brett Kavanaugh, for instance. How is it that Bill Clinton has managed to survive in that culture? And that they've got a one word answer, maybe a two word answer, second chances. How has he survived all of these waves of cancellation when he has been one of the biggest violators of these rules at all these years. I mean, we, we talked last night about the use of brother. character. We talked redemption. about, we talked about the second use of, chance. listen. There it is. The one word answer is redemption. The two word answer is second chances. And Democrats actually believe in neither of them, right? I'm kind of, I'm more exercised by the second chances thing though, because in cancel culture, you don't get a second chance. I understand maybe you don't want to give someone a third chance or a fourth chance, or, but you don't get a second chance at all unless you're a Democrat, unless you're a leftist. Left believes in redemption? What, how? Show me how the left believes in redemption. They don't. They'll, they'll smack down anybody who comes in their way, whether it's a comedian, whether it's... Look, Ellen DeGeneres took a photo with George W. Bush. They're out for her head, right? Kevin Hart made a... An, unpopular comment or something. They go after a joke he, he told 10 years ago, a joke that virtually every other stand-up comedian in history has made as well. I don't think they're, I don't think they believe in redemption, except for their privileged few. This is not some sort of nice principle whereby we say we're going to have grace, we're going to have forgiveness. They don't believe in any of that stuff. It's, it's purely cynical. They'll cover for their guys and they'll attack your guys, even if there's no evidence whatsoever that they did anything wrong. Again, like the case of Brett Kavanaugh. CNN, Van Jones, they go on. You were talking about Bill Clinton's character. And what I admire about Bill Clinton is that he has acknowledged his wrongdoing. He's apologized. He's tried to, to rebuild his family. And I think apologies don't come as often or as easily uh, from the President White House, even when they should. So I don't, I don't think we can, we, I don't think we have to uh, say everything Bill Clinton has done is great, but I do think that when he has made mistakes, he's acknowledged them, and I admire him for that. Was Van Jones alive in the 1990s? Does Va was Van Jones, does he, is he remembering the same Bill Clinton I'm remembering? Mr. Clinton, any response to Van Jones's point that you take responsibility for the things you've done? I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Miss Lewinsky, I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. Thank you. 
Hey, to go back to the, you can even see at the end of that clip, if you're watching it, he has a little smirk at the end. He's like, I can't believe they believe that. That's so fun. Man, I'm a good actor. I should have been in Hollywood. Uh, I should have hung out with Harvey Weinstein. Uh, yeah, Bill Clinton, totally not acknowledging what I did. And then later on, he, uh, he got caught. And so sh- utterly shamelessly, he goes out on television and says, okay, maybe, well, a little, mm, little bit, but, and, and even then, I, I believe the exact wording was, well, what I said was not technically, well, what I said was technically true. I misled. It's like, well, you, you lied. You lied. And you're still, you're even when you are forced to acknowledge it, do not acknowledge it. But, but the Democrats believe in redemption, right? As long as you acknowledge what you've done. He's still doing it. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up a town over from, from Chappaqua where, uh, where Bill Clinton grew up. On one side of me was AOC in Yorktown. Then on the other side of me was, uh, was Bill Clinton. And Rumors swirled. Let's just, uh, let's put it that way. I don't want to report any rumors, but something tells me that guy did not quite reform himself. And by the way, Bill Clinton was like the good old days. The, the, I would take Bill Clinton's Democratic Party any day over the Democratic Party of these current crop of, of radicals. So right now, during the DNC, there was the DNC LGBTQ caucus meeting. And a member of this caucus, Jay Mai, don't know who that is, described what their aims are. You know, uh, Democrats in recent days have said, we're not about abolishing the police. We're not about, well, Jay Mai in this open Democratic caucus meeting says that is exactly what we are for. We're talking about abolishing the police. We're talking about abolishing ICE. We're talking about abolishing prisons. There it is. There it is. And you remember what AOC said when, when the Democrats continued to hear the younger crop say, we're abolishing the police, we're abolishing ICE, we're abolishing prisons. They said, well, abolishing the police doesn't really mean abolishing the police. And then AOC came out with a press statement. God bless her. I mean, she, at least she was honest about it. She goes, no, abolishing the police means abolishing the police. Doesn't mean removing a little bit of funding or moving some funding around. It means actually abolishing, getting rid of the police. So that's the, that's the democratic party. It's so funny. What, what they've been trying to do is hide some of these sessions, but Part of the, the issue with them pushing this continued lockdown, needlessly pushing this continued lockdown, is these sessions are all on video. And it would seem that we've got Republican operatives in every single one of them. And so the video keeps leaking. And then what happens when the video leaks? Well, the Biden campaign has to distance itself, right? Because the Biden campaign is pretending that this is a moderate Democrat campaign for a moderate Democrat party. Uh, even though we all know that the minute Joe gets into office, if he's even aware that he gets into office, you're going to have this crop of radicals running the country. So the Biden campaign says, I bet the police, the campaign has been very clear when it comes to defunding the police. They do not support defunding the police. And I don't know how many times we have to say this on this network or others, but that is the case. Now at other times, the Biden campaign has seemed very open to defunding the police, but neither here nor there. They're, they're denying it now. How about Linda Sarsour? We were talking about Linda Sarsour a little bit Yesterday, I believe, Linda Sarsour is this Islamist, radical leftist activist, and she was, she's so radical that she was kicked out of the Women's March, but she was permitted to speak at the Democratic National Convention. So the Biden campaign has to, has to do a little damage control here. Joe Biden has been a strong supporter of Israel and a vehement opponent of anti-Semitism his entire life, and he obviously condemns Sarsour's views and opposes the boycott, divest, sanction movement, as does the Democratic platform. 
says campaign spokesman Andrew Bates. She has no, no role in the Biden campaign whatsoever. Well, that's strange. If the whole democratic platform and Dem- I mean, I suppose that w- who writes the platform is the party. If the party so despises Linda Sarsour, why did they give her a slot to speak at the convention? Doesn't make a lot of sense. And frankly, the only reason that the Biden campaign even responded to this is because Trump tweeted about it. This is the, the big problem here for the Biden campaign. The Biden campaign is behind the ball. They're following their party. They're trying to catch up to their party. The party is leading and the party is now radical. So the, the Biden campaign can come out and say, no, 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 we, uh, we don't really want to defund the police. No, 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 we don't really hate the Jews. No, 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 we don't, we don't really support Linda Sarsour. But the fact that they have to keep playing catch up like this shows they're not the ones in charge. So who, ca- who cares what they say or what they think? The Trump campaign, on the other hand, is going on offense. And this was a move yesterday, again, somewhat controversial among conservatives, mostly among libertarians, but, but some conservatives too got a little, a little frightened by this. The, the Trump, well, first through Trump's Twitter, but then through the Trump administration and, and Kayleigh McEnany, they came out and said, yeah, we don't like Goodyear anymore. Goodyear tires, we went through their their slideshow yesterday on this show, but Goodyear showed, seemed to have this policy, which is that it's okay to express views in support of BLM or the LGBTQ movement, but you can't support uh, any sort of expression for blue lives matter or all lives matter or wearing a hat that says make America great again or anything like that. So you can support left-wing things, but you can't support right-wing things. Trump said, don't buy Goodyear. The left is going to play this game. We'll play it too. Get Stop having Goodyear, right? Stop supporting Goodyear. And Kaylee McEnany was asked about this at a press briefing. thought she gave a great answer. Here's the question. Today, the president encouraged Americans not to buy Goodyear tires, suggesting that they had a ban on MAGA hats. But it appears that their policy is just a ban on political speech. It's pretty common for most companies. So why is the president retaliating against a private company for their dress code and potentially jeopardizing American jobs? Okay, I want to pause here for one second because this reporter typifies the dishonesty of leftism for a hundred years. What the slideshow showed was you, yes, BLM, yes, LGBTQ, no MAGA, no Blue Lives Matter, no All Lives Matter. And she says, and at the very end of the unacceptable line, it said no political speech. So what the left is saying is conservative speech that I don't like, Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, make America great again, support the president. That is political and therefore unacceptable. Whereas Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ, that's not political. That is just the orthodox dogma of the state. You can't, you can't possibly question transgenderism. That's our established church. You can't, you, that's not political. BLM, run by three avowed Marxists, wants to destroy the nuclear family, according to the, the About Us page on their website. That's not political. What the left has done here, ironically, is they have made everything political except for politics, right? Everything's political now. You go out, you buy a cup of coffee, it's political. Anything you wear, anything you say, anywhere you go, the kind of car you drive, everything has become political now. The mask is, everything is political except for politics. And this has been the what the Democratic Party has pushed for since Woodrow Wilson. They basically want to take all the important questions out of the realm of politics, give it to bureaucrats, give it to administrators so that we can't debate about it anymore and the government can just do whatever they want. 
but they'll, they'll at the same time politicize everything. So we're arguing about absolute diversions. Gets to this QAnon question too. We're arguing about internet memes as though this is really important. Meanwhile, we're told that substantive questions like the Marxist organization BLM, that's outside the realm of politics. Whether a man can become a woman, LGBTQ, what, you know, whatever the, the alphabet continues to grow by the day. That is outside the realm of politics. We're not allowed to have opinions about that anymore. I thought Kaylee McEnany handled the question in, a, in an excellent manner. Goodyear needs to come out and clarify their policy. There was an image. They failed to clear. Yes, I did see their statements, which still still failed to, failed to clarify their policy. What happened is there was an image that was put out that showed that certain speech was acceptable, Black Lives Matter insignia, for instance. But what was not allowed was Blue Lives Matter. What was not allowed was MAGA hats. Um, what was clearly targeted was a certain ideology. They have not denied that that image was presented at one of their facilities, and they need to come out. Racial equality, racial justice, that is okay, but not political speech. That's pretty standard across the board right now. That's not that unusual. Did the president even reach out to Goodyear before they, he tweeted? They came out and said equity issues. There it is. It's, it's just racial justice. It's just sexual equality. That's not political. What, do, do these people know what the word politics means? Politics means public things, the things we all do together, how we all live together in the city, in the polis, right? Greek word. That's, that's politics. And they say, no, that's not politics. Politics is like your internet memes and like the MAGA hats and the things I don't like. So that you can't do politics. It's like they, they always say this in schools, you can't talk about religion. You can talk about how a man is really a woman. You can talk about that, which is called Gnostic dualism, by the way, that's a religious concept, but you can't talk about Christianity. You're not, you can't, you can't do that. You can talk about equality and justice and the 1619 project and BLM, but you can't talk about politics. Even though the author of BLM says this is not a history that's being taught, it's activism. But they say, no, no, that's not, it's not. The things I like are not politics, and therefore we, we should just all accept it. And the things I do not like, that is politics, and we've got to get it out of, the, we, what we need, so much of the Trump movement has been, forget about the judges, forget even about breaking down the media, it's been about expanding the realm of politics in an authentic way, in, in a proper way. Because we had been told for decades, look, you, you're not allowed to have an opinion about outsourcing. You're not allowed to have an opinion about immigration. You're not allowed to have an opinion about the loss of American manufacturing. You're not allowed to have an opinion about our role in transnational institutions. You're barely allowed to have an opinion about international interventions and foreign wars. You're just not allowed. That is separate. That's being run by the brilliant people at the State Department or in the bureaucracy elsewhere. And that's not in the realm of politics. And what Trump came in and says, nah, I think it is. I think we're going to rip up trade deals. We're going to build a wall on the border and you stupid bureaucrats aren't going to have a damn thing to say about it. And that's what we're seeing here. Now, I think I am allowed to have an opinion about the BLM organization. I think I am allowed to have an opinion about Marxist propaganda being taught in our schools. I, I, I am going to have an opinion about that. And if Goodyear doesn't like it, you know what we're going to do? We're going to boycott Goodyear. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. For, for too long, Republicans have allowed uh, corporate America to, to push America further to the left. They've given them a free pass. No longer, my friends. By the way, this is playing well for Republicans. This is not playing well for Democrats. We'll get into the poll numbers in just one second. First, though, got to thank our friends over at We The People Holster. You know, maybe you got a good handgun, but you don't have a holster. Well, then you're just not doing gun ownership right. 
We, uh, we want to thank you for supporting We the People holsters. They have been flooded with orders because record numbers of people are buying guns and ammunition for the first time. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> look around your country. Look at things collapsing. I wonder why people are arming themselves. If you're one of those people, please be safe. Please holster that new handgun in a We the People holster. Starting at just $39, We the People holsters are custom designed to fit your firearm perfectly. They're made right here in the U.S. of A. They have thousands of options to choose from plus an amazing selection of printed holsters. They're great. Now's the time to support American companies. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to get yours. Every holster ships free, comes with a lifetime guarantee. By the way, right now, get an additional $10 off with the offer code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Let's bring it down to, what, $29? It's pretty good. Satisfaction guaranteed. If it's not a perfect fit, send it back. For a total refund, wethepeopleholsters.com slash Knowles, wethepeopleholsters.com slash Knowles, Offer code Knowles. Uh, Joe Biden's numbers are falling. They fell when uh, Biden picked Kamala Harris as his VP. That's a bad sign. You pick a VP so that your numbers go up. Same thing. We don't obviously we don't have numbers from the end of the convention yet because the convention just ended last night. But uh, it there's no evidence yet that that Biden is getting any kind of boost like like you hope for out of a convention. That's the whole point of a convention. Uh, not good news for Biden. I mean, it's going to be, there's now going to be more pressure for him not to debate, not to show up. It just didn't work. Why didn't it work? The convention was more boring than usual. These conventions are usually pretty boring, but it was more boring than usual. There weren't any kind of spontaneous moments because, you know, that's, this is all pre-planned. This is basically just a Zoom meeting. Do you remember back in 2012, you had, uh, you had Clint Eastwood come out for Mitt Romney and he, he clearly didn't prepare anything. He walked on stage at the last minute and talked to an empty chair. And it was great. It was the best moment in any political convention, certainly in my lifetime, but because it was unscripted. It was, oh, you didn't know what was going to happen. It was, it was entertaining. You didn't get that. R- Republicans need some of those moments here. Luckily, Trump always seems to give it to them, but you're going to need that in, in the next convention. You know, the, the ratings for the DNC this year plummeted. I mean, they were so, so bad. Trump is much better on television, obviously, but the RNC needs to keep this thing loose, entertaining, bigger, faster, funnier. Maybe get Clint up there with an empty chair. Certainly get Trump on screen as much as you can. I want to bring this back to what we started with at the top of the show, this Q thing. Q Anon, which is what, uh, that's all the Democrats in the media want to talk about. I think most conservatives don't even know what this is. They haven't even heard of this. This is an internet meme, right? But the press, they're writing about it all the time like this is the end of the world. So what is, what is the Q thing? I, like President Trump, also don't, don't really know much about it. But unlike Democrats, I, I do think we should take the, the fact that this movement exists seriously. I don't, I don't think we need to worry about anything. I don't think it's the end of the world. But the fact that there is such an internet meme that's become, you know, something of an activist movement, what does it mean? You know, I take BLM seriously. I don't take BLM's claims seriously, but I take BLM seriously, and I wonder why did this rise up. So same thing with Q. The the reporter brought up three things, religion, weird sex, and cannibalism, right? Satanism, and then pedophilia, and then cannibalism. What does that mean? Well, as I mentioned earlier, at the, what was it, the 2012 DNC, you had the Democrats booing God. You now have BLM top leftist activists calling for churches to be smashed, uh, images of Christ and the Virgin Mary to be smashed. You have statues of Saint Junipero Serra being torn down. 
it, it seems pretty clear that there is a religious battle going on. As Henry Edward Cardinal Manning said, at bottom all human conflict ultimately is theological. So you've got this religious battle brewing. I mean, the people leading the BLM riots, right, the founders of that organization are Marxists. They're atheists. Again, and you, you see this constant sort of attack on religious Americans, the bitter clingers clinging to their Bibles. That image that, that irritated the left so much was Trump holding up a Bible outside a church, a church that they were trying to burn down. So there's a, there is clearly a religious issue going on. How about the weird sex? There's plenty of weird sex going on. Obviously, there's the Jeffrey Epstein thing that seems to involve every prominent leftist in America. But even, you know, there's a show now on Netflix. It's called Cuties. My wife showed me this last night. She showed me the, the trailer for it. It's, called, it's about 11-year-old, like, go-go dancers or something. This is, listen to this description. This is just a, from the Netflix website. Cuties, Amy, age 11, becomes fascinated with a twerking dance crew. Hoping to join them, she starts to explore her femininity, defying her family's traditions. That, that is like pedophile catnip. How on earth, what sicko executive at Netflix allowed this thing to go up? Like, I, I know, you know, sometimes we hear all these crazy people on the internet. They talk about how there's pedophilia going on all over the place. Well, what do you, how do you explain that? That's pretty weird, isn't it? There's like a show about 11-year-olds twerking and exploring their femininity against their family's wishes. That's, that's weird. Like, you know, Jeffrey Epstein flying around on an airplane with Prince Andrew and all these top mostly left-wing politicians. He was a member of Mar-a-Lago, so there were photos of him with Trump too. But he, Bill Clinton apparently flew on his plane like 27 times. That's weird. Isn't that weird? That's a little weird, isn't it? So clearly there's some weird sex thing going on. And by the way, the only thing anyone talks about these days is sex. That's why LGBTQ can, you know, goes now 26 alphabet letters long. Because people, beyond this question of, of pedophilia, people are just obsessed with sex. They're talking about sex all the time. So there's, there's that aspect going on. And then cannibalism. There are some real cannibals like Reza Aslan, formerly of CNN, who ate human brains on television. Actually did that. Isn't that weird? That's a little weird too. Uh, but there's this issue of cannibalism at a cultural level, which I, which I think is actually what's going on here. We are eating ourselves alive. We are, we are devouring our own culture. Right? Cannibalism has a, has a kind of metaphorical meaning as well. People are just devouring themselves because they've, they've run out of other things to consume. What is, I mean, obviously we see that now. We're tearing down our own history. We're tearing down our own art. We're covering up our own art. We're, we're destroying our own politics, destroying our own institutions. Frankly, Riza Aslan aside, there's much more evidence of a cultural cannibalism, a civilizational cannibalism than of a personal cannibalism. Those things are all real. Okay. And the media right now are asking about the QAnon thing. They're asking about a bunch of internet memes. They should be asking themselves about what the phenomenon means. The fact that people are worried about Satanism and pedophilia and cannibalism. Why? why? What does that tell you about your culture? If these mainstream media journalists had two brain cells to rub together, they would be able to see some, some real insight in, in the very fact of these phenomenons. Just like I encourage the left, consider the fact of BLM. Why has this thing risen up? So too, I would encourage the left, consider why these things that you, you're so obsessed with, consider why they've risen up. But that would require introspection, and of course, they're not capable of that. Um, by the way, there's one thing, I know I'm running late on the mailbag, but I don't care. I've got to, I've got to mention my friend Amanda Milius, a great 
great young filmmaker. You might have heard the name Milius because her, her father is uh, one of the most legendary filmmakers in Hollywood. John Milius wrote Apocalypse Now, did the Dirty Harry movies, Conan the Barbarian, Red Dawn, all these great, great, great guy. And, and she's a terrific young filmmaker. She's got a movie she's been working on secretly called Plot Against the President. This, this is coming out now. It's coming out very, not, not right now, but it's coming out very soon. It details the Russia hoax, the attempted coup d'etat to overthrow a duly elected president. Take a look at just a little bit of the trailer. I recently confirmed that on numerous occasions, the intelligence community incidentally collected information about U.S. citizens involved in the Trump transition. It was shocking to see some of the overclassification that was done to hide either corruption or abuse of authority and just to make sure certain agencies didn't look bad. We have a peaceful transition of power process. That's not what happened. There were more meetings, there were more leaks, there were more attacks. The thing that they were investigating the Trump campaign for is what they themselves were doing, not just the Democratic Party and their operatives, but also the FBI. If I were writing about the time frame that we lived in and that we're living in now, I would say it wasn't supposed to happen. They weren't supposed to know. The entire time this was going on, they thought this was going to be what sunk the Donald Trump presidency. And they were just looking for the golden goose and they still haven't found it because it doesn't exist. This movie is going to be great. It's going to be explosive. Go check it out. The Plot Against the President. You know, subscribe wherever so that you can get notifications when it comes out. Uh, thank you for subscribing to my YouTube channel. Appreciate it. We've, uh, you know, got some great stuff coming out this weekend. So be sure to uh, head over there. We've got a backstage coming up tomorrow, 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Join All Access. Uh, you need to get it right now. Obviously, you get to do All Access Live. You get all this very very fun stuff. We're going to have one for the DNC. We're going to have one for the RNC. So head on over there right now. Go to dailywire.com. Dailywire.com. Use uh, promo code, uh, dailywire.com slash Knowles, promo code ACCESS. You'll get 20% off all access and two leftist tears tumblers. Dailywire.com slash Knowles, promo code ACCESS. We'll be right back with the mailbag. There's too much good stuff to talk about today. Well, we got to get to the mailbag. I will speed through it. We will get through as many questions as possible. From Alejandro, dear future Vice President Michael Knowles, if you were selected to be the Republican Vice President for the 2020 election, what would your opening statement be at the Vice Presidential debate? I would get up there and I would say, uh, uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's, it's such an honor to be here. I would especially like to thank the Democratic Party for not reading the Constitution because you don't realize that right now I am still just a little bit too young to be vice president. Uh, but since the Democrats don't read the Constitution, that's perfectly well and good. Let's get to the questions. That would be my opening statement. You know, it's unfortunate that Democrats don't know anything about the Constitution, but there can be a little silver lining in that storm cloud. We can, we can use it to turn lemons into lemonade. And part of that would be, would be my uh, selection as vice president. It's great. I'll take it even before the age of 35. From Catalina. What a great name. Catalina. It's a nice island off the coast of California. Hi, Michael, skinny boy and master of Covfefe. I'm a rising high school senior. My college search came to a grinding halt recently when I fully realized that the environment at the Ivy League schools is overwhelmingly liberal. I was really interested in applying to Princeton, Dartmouth, and Harvard, but after seeing so much leftism at the admissions sessions and in their promotions, I'm reconsidering. Like you, I'm Catholic and conservative. What was your experience in the political, vi political environment of Yale? 
what should I do? I don't want to be universally hated on my college campus for being conservative. Thanks so much. I love the show. Listen in every day. God bless. Depends what you, what you want. You know, uh, there are some colleges where you can get a magnificent uh, classical education, liberal education even. Uh, Thomas Aquinas College, Franciscan of Steubenville, Hillsdale, you know, very famously offers a more classical and rigorous education. Um, but if you want a big brand name school, you know, let's say you want to go work in banking or consulting or, you know, get into a really top law school or, or something like that. If, if you do want to kind of go down that route, which, which has uh, increasingly diminishing returns because uh, now people are beginning to realize that the Yale of 2020 is not the Yale of 1920. And frankly, it's not even the Yale of 10 years ago. Um, so, but if, if you want to do that, Yale has a pretty robust area for conservatives. They've got the William F. Buckley Jr. program. They've got the Tory party, which is a great organization at Yale. Uh, they, they do, they do have a number of conservatives that have come through there. Uh, the campus has gotten very left-wing even since I was there. And, and even when I was there, you know, I got along just fine, had a great time, you know, but, but whenever a political activity that I was working on got a little too hot. I was absolutely persona non grata on campus for at least a month or two. And then people would kind of forget, you know, and I'd get to go back to parties and things again, and it was all fine until, but if, if you do things that are effective in politics, then you're, you're going to have a lot of people dislike you for that. And that's just, uh, that's just the cost of doing business. That's the cost of doing politics, rather. It, it, you've really got to ask yourself, what do I want? If you want a kind of classical education that's, that's not, uh, you know, going to have all the trappings of, of maybe an Ivy League school, then I would say go to one of those other colleges. If you want to get that big brand name, just know you're, you're going to be in a decidedly leftist institution for a long time, and, uh, and you're going to have to make your way. Sometimes that'll be easy, sometimes that'll be hard, but conservative insight is nothing in life is free. From Anonymous, hi Michael, I'm going to be married 10 years this October, together for 12, and my wife and I have a three-year-old son. Earlier this year, I found out she accumulated over 40 grand of credit card debt and we had to refinance the house to pay it off. Further, she recently became pregnant and besides me begging and pleading, she went ahead to Planned Parenthood and took an abortion pill. Oh my gosh. Uh, she's also been nasty to me and has said I'm needy and is threatening to leave me when I've been victim here. I want to stay together for our son and to work through the issues we've had. Uh, we've had many good years together. I'm simply at a loss at what to do here. I don't want to give up on my son and family, but I've been hurt, wronged, and I've been blamed for the marriage failing. She claims I'm controlling and wants to leave as I'm holding her back from achieving her career dreams. I would appreciate your thoughts. Yeah, you need to get your wife in line. I'm very sorry that you've gone through this. I mean, obviously the, the things you've described are, are horrific. Um, you, you need to get your wife in line. Uh, you know, you, you've got you've to lead the family. I know that, I know that modern feminism and, and all this stuff might make this confusing, but, uh, <laughs> the, the, the idea that your wife could even get the thought of, I've got to, I've got to leave my family because you're holding me back from whatever, making widgets at the widget factory is, is preposterous in itself. And, uh, I, I don't know, either you've got to be persuasive, you know, and, and show her why that's so wrong. I would certainly go into marriage counseling. I mean, the, you know, she, she killed your child. You know, I mean, that, that is, a. it's, it's unthinkable. It's unthinkable that that sort of thing would happen. So you, you need to put measures in place to make sure that doesn't, that, that can't happen again. You, you, you know, I'll, I'll, taking that example aside, I mean, that's just so horrific. Let's just use the credit card example. How did she run up 40 grand in credit card debt without you knowing? 
you, you should be seeing these financial statements. You, if, if she has a separate credit card, that's obviously a bad idea for someone who's going to run up 40 grand in credit card debt. She should not be permitted to have a separate credit card. You, you're, you're one flesh. Your finances should be the same anyway. So I would take control. I would just take control of the situation. Ironically, what seems to, what, what she seems to think as, as you write in, in your note is that, you know, you're, you're too controlling, but I, I would imagine if you are not even looking at her credit card statements, you're not controlling enough, not nearly controlling enough. Uh, and, and I would, uh, I don't know. The problem would appear to be this kind of modern idea of feminism or how that relates to marriage. I think you've got to get a little bit more old school here and traditional. Probably the first step would be, would be marriage therapy. And I would just make sure that you go to a marriage therapist who isn't some lunatic feminist. You pick it, you call the shots. You're the head of the household. Uh, and, uh, if, if she leaves you, I hope she doesn't, uh, that's on her. And, and, uh, you, you, you know, divorce is a horrible, horrible thing for a child. So I would not, I don't think you should leave. Um, but you need to lead your family. You can't, you can't let her do these sorts of horrible things. And you need to also acknowledge anything maybe that you have done that has led to this. You know, obviously you generally speaking, it takes two to tango. So marriage therapy would be the place to start, but, but you need to lead, you need to take charge. And, and I, I don't think, if, if your situation gets worse, I don't think it's going to get worse because you took too much control. You took too much of the lead. I think it will get worse because you've taken a back seat and you've, you've allowed her to, to, uh, to take the lead too much w- without knowing more details. That's, that's about the best I can give you, but a uh, very, very terrible situation. Sorry to hear that you're in it from Aaron. One question I've always struggled with is Romans chapter 13 and the submission to the governing authorities. As a conservative, I've always struggled with being submissive to the governing authorities, mainly when thinking about the Revolutionary War. I want to believe in a good argument for the colonies rebelling against the crown, but I do not believe that the Catholic or other confessional churches would have supported the overthrowing of that authority. Historically speaking, can a conservative have been a supporter of the American Revolution? And how? Thanks. This question comes up from time to time, even beyond... uh, just the Catholic question. Even some conservative Protestants say, I don't, I wouldn't support the American revolution. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas is pretty clear that there is a, there is a right of, of revolution in very limited circumstances. So the question is, does, uh, does the American revolution meet those circumstances? There's also a question of the nature of the American revolution. The American revolution didn't overthrow the King of England, right? It didn't, it didn't depose King George. It separated the United States from Great Britain. It in the revolutionary's words, it acknowledged that there was this separation, that these b- political bonds had been dissolved. And now you've got this separate country that already had its own governing institutions, that already had its own culture for, at that point, over a century, a century and a half or so. I, I think there is a conservative and Christian case for the American Revolution. I, I don't care particularly to come down decisively on that issue. I think there's a good argument also that the revolution was not justified. If you, and you, you could, I've heard both of those arguments. That's fine. I think the more pertinent question, though, is today, what is your view of the American Revolution? Where no one's going to get in a time machine and go back to 1776. So how do you look at it now? And I think it's very clear that uh, in, our, in our due submission to the, the civil authority, uh, we certainly should respect the regime that was established in 1776. And that, ha- that has been, a, a, generally speaking, a wonderful uh, political event in the history of the world. So I, I, would, 
I would even kind of remove yourself from the historical question, though it's fun to kick it around. I think there is an argument for it. And, and just think about the present political question. All right. I wish we could get to more, but typically I ran late. So we'll just have to wait until next week, or maybe we'll be able to chat on all access, or maybe we'll be able to chat on backstage. We got all that coming up tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles show. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, I'm Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Oh, 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 that was the sound the media made yesterday as Barack Obama gave his speech at the Democratic National Convention. It's an important reminder of just how dishonest and corrupt our media is, but you knew that already. Still, we'll talk about it on The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm Andrew Clavin.